Welcome to events. What wakes you up at 3 a.m.? Hey, it's Grand Poobah Carl here. It's already February, and I haven't produced my first podcast of the year. Okay, I'm a total loser. Uh, am I the only one? But it seems like 2016 is going super, super fast already. I feel like it's mid-2016 already. Uh, so I have to apologize to Jim Rowdy, uh, who was my guest. I think we did the podcast interview on the last day of 2015. Great interview. Um, everyone thinks that B2B events and promos need to be really boring, or at least it seems like they do. At the very end, Jim gives some really great marketing ideas. So let's meet Jim. We're really excited uh, for this month's show of Welcome to Events, What Wakes You Up at 3 a.m. And very excited to welcome uh, Jim uh, Rowdy, uh, from, who's president of Jameson Publishing. How are you doing, Jim? I'm wonderful, Carl. Great to talk to you. Good. And did I, did I get the pronunciation right, the Rowdy? That's correct. It's Roddy. Uh, when I was younger, the name was mispronounced as Rody or Rudy. But uh, when uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper became more popular, people started pronouncing my name correctly more often. So I, I got to give kudos to the uh, former professional wrestler. Yeah. The late, the late great. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I, 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 I'm sure you're uh, in your no relationship to him, though. Huh? Uh, no, I'm not. And, and you, you have no experience in the ring. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I uh, don't weigh enough to have enough experience in the ring. I think I'd get tangled in the ropes if I was trying to hop in. Okay, cool. And uh, as I recall, you're uh, you're live from Erie, Pennsylvania. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. Uh, better known as one of the snowiest cities in the United States year after year. We always compete with uh, Syracuse as uh, one of our big competitors. So uh, we do other things in Erie besides shovel snow. And I think that's what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm excited because I'm originally from Cleveland and uh, that's only what a couple hours away from Cleveland. Exactly right. Yep. Yeah. yeah uh, Cleveland's about an hour and a half away from my house because yeah. I live in West Erie County. So. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and, and I, uh, as far as guests, I think actually you're the first person I don't like officially know that I'm uh, interviewing. Uh, I think the connection is, didn't you send Abby to our uh, Niche Event Fest? That's correct. Abby yeah. Sorens is, is our events uh, manager, and uh, we're, we launched events. We're looking to get better at our events. And uh, she was very excited to attend your show in New Orleans, and she and I had a very long meeting after she got back, and we have lots of notes and integrated a lot of the best practices that she learned about into our events for this upcoming year. So we're excited to see how those pay off. So thanks for hosting that show, and yeah. we're uh, thrilled, and hopefully it'll, again, pay off for us this year. Yeah, no, I remember her. She's very enthusiastic and, and a really great person. So anyway, welcome to the show once again. And uh, if you want to tell us a little bit of uh, Jameson Publishing, what you do, I, I went on your website and I was really impressed. In fact, I said to Robin, who's my right-hand person, why does our website not look like this? But anyway, uh, what do you guys do there? Sure. And what, uh, so Jameson Publishing, uh, headquartered, as you said, in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, we also have sister company operations in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, so all throughout the great state of Pennsylvania. Uh, the company was founded as Corey Publishing uh, back in May of 1980, uh, publishing a builder 
magazine and then started transitioning into uh, the technology sector. And now we currently have uh, four technology products. Uh, Business Solutions covers the uh, IT reseller and managed services provider area. We also have end user magazines for field technologies, retail, uh, and healthcare. And then we also have a life science division as well. And again, all those groups have magazines, uh, websites and life sciences and business solutions uh, have events. Yeah, no, I mean it, you're sort of covering it all there, and uh, and and I looked over uh, some of your events there, and the, these are very sexy titles here. Uh, channel uh, uh, trans, what is it? Uh, channel channel transition transitions. Correct. I was looking at my handwriting. Uh, ISVIQ uh, retail it uh, var the future. Smart VAR Summit. So, you know, anytime a VAR is mentioned, uh, people get pretty excited. Uh, yeah, you can see we, uh, it's, it's not vague. You know, if you're in the industry, channel VAR, ISV VAR, it's, uh, it's pretty loud uh, to, the, to our audience, I guess, what we're trying to do. And that's one of the things that's worked for us is uh, to be fairly blunt because your marketing really has to catch people and get their attention right from the title of the show. I, I, I agree with you, uh, you know, because I was a magazine publisher for a long time. And uh, my first magazine, it was called Computer Language, and it was for professional programmers. So um, that was uh, uh, worked out quite well. But uh, sort of funny story, the magazine, the first computer magazine I worked on was called Dr. Dobbs Journal. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever heard of it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it was one of the original uh, microcomputer magazines right along with Byte. So you know, you'd go to a media buyer and you'd be in the office and uh, who are you with? Like Dr. Dobbs Journal. It would be like, anyway, very strange. And and in some <laughs> ways it helped, you know, because uh, it really differentiated yourself. And the subtitle, I don't know if you recall, it's Dr. Dobbs Journal of Computer Calisthenics, Riding Light on Overbite. So uh, anyway, <laughs> so like I said, it can be good or bad or whatever, but I, I, I tend to agree with you to go with the, uh, um, you know, the obvious. Um, so are these, uh, obviously these are B2B uh, events, and um, are they uh, more trade shows or conferences or what? Uh, you're correct that they're B2B, and they are more conferences. And in fact, most of them, like as the channel transitions in ISVIQ Live, what we do is we rent out uh, a couple ballrooms, you know, a few ballrooms mm-hmm. inside of a hotel, and we have uh, set up half rounds, essentially, you know, in the entire middle section, a stage up front. Right. And then we have tabletops all along the side and in the back. And so what we essentially tell people is, here's the logistics for this conference. Mm-hmm. Everything is in this room. Now we have to tell you where the bathrooms are and you know we might have breakout rooms next door but we try to make everything really easy for the attendees and the exhibitors to make sure there's maximum attendance everything happens in one room and that's for most of these events and that's worked out really well for us retail it var the feature is a larger conference so we have the adjoining uh room is where the exhibitions and a lot of the networking take place so uh, how, how big are these events? How many attendees, how many sponsors and exhibitors? Uh, so the channel transitions, ISVIQ and SmartVar conferences, uh, we tend to get right around a little bit over 100 attendees. Mm-hmm. And then from a sponsorship standpoint, it ranges anywhere from a half dozen sponsors for some of them up to 
20 something sponsors uh, for them. So it just depends on the niche that we're serving and how big it is and, and from a sponsorship standpoint um, or how those things go. Right. So, I mean, these are relatively small, but uh, obviously super targeted. And is, is the money coming from the exhibitor sponsors? That's correct. It all comes from the exhibitor sponsors. You know, we have some guiding principles. Uh, and one of them is we want to serve our readers every way that we can. And we, to be honest with you, in many ways feel guilty trying to take money from our readers. And they're the ones who really bring our uh, a company to life. They're the ones who bring the vendors mm -hmm. to life. And so if we charge the vendors a little bit more, quite frankly, right. it's easier rather than chasing down $100 or $200 or a few hundred dollars uh, to enter. And it just opens uh, the floodgates a little bit more for folks to be able to attend from a very very niche standpoint. Uh, for the all the business solutions events, the target audience are small businesses. Again, the resellers, managed services providers, software mm -hmm. developers. So they don't have a lot of money to throw around. So any way that we can lower the hurdle to get them the education that they need and access to new partners, that's how the design has worked for us. And so uh, we plan on continuing to do that because it's, it's been a good formula. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I mean, it's, it's they're small and I'm sure you're getting plenty of money from uh, on the vendors side and uh, pretty easy to control and your expenses are pretty minimal and and anyway I, I love that formula so I, it sounds like world is just perfect for you Jim so <laughs> this is a total waste of time I'm sure but I'm going to ask you what, you know what wakes you up at 3 a.m. as far as your events yeah, so the world is by no means perfect for us. Um, the the one thing that I will say has made us better, because we started the events back in uh, just October of 2013. So in the grand scheme of things, we're relatively new to the event world. Um, we have done very well from a print standpoint. We were incredibly efficient. And so we didn't have the need like a lot of other folks did to get into events because they weren't uh, making money from a print and, and web standpoint. So now we've added on to that to, uh, to increase our growth so but what we do is after every single event we do a post-mortem mm -hmm. and i know people say post-mortem that doesn't sound very good well let's call it a failure analysis so that doesn't <laughs> sound good either right. but we don't want to sit around and say that was great you did a great job and right. just pat each other on the back and go back to work we do our surveys we have follow-up conversations with attendees and with sponsors and and a, a very valuable thing for us is you know, when we travel on the way home, we will talk and take notes about what could we have done better. We'll make observations during it. So I don't know if that's that's necessarily earth shattering advice, but in terms of how we're getting better every time, we just keep making tweaks to to the events based on real feedback and not just based on our own personal feelings. So the people who have seen our events mature, you know, mm -hmm. I can I many, many people came up to our last event of uh, in 2015 and said, this was your best one ever. Like you just just keep getting better and better. So that's one thing that makes us, you know, we'll never be perfect, but we try to get a little bit more perfect. But to, to not dodge your question and uh, what causes me. Well, well uh, before you yeah, go but, into that, mm -hmm. you know what? Uh, it, it's funny how you say uh, you spend a lot of time in the postmortem stage. And you know what? And, and everyone does to a certain extent. But most people aren't great at it because uh, you come back, you're exhausted, um, and usually, you know, you've been gone for a week and there's all this stuff to catch up on. And I just think it's good advice in general for event organizers to really schedule that time out uh, to do a really thorough job of evaluating 
what we did and uh you know how to fix it and and uh anyway i you know it's not like you said not earth shattering but I, I think most of us don't do a great job of that. So I, I think it sounds like you really put an emphasis on that. I think that's really important. So anyway, good point. But uh, okay, so so what well, does, does wake you up no, though at three a.m.? Well, I guess just just yeah. one more point to add to that. We schedule that meeting. Uh, you know, we try to before we go to the event, and what we do is we schedule it for either a week or ten days afterwards. And that way, we've got all the survey back, and if folks have had conversations, we also make sure everybody who goes to the event has a responsibility of taking notes, whether they want to do it on their phone mm-hmm. or just swapping emails or handwritten notes that say what did you hear and what things did you um, observe at the event. They could be really, really tiny things or bigger things. And so, if somebody comes to the meeting and says, "I don't have anything," part of it is, "Well, you didn't." you know do your job because yeah. we need to get you know that 360 degree view of of what we're doing so i guess i just wanted to get to some of the yeah. mechanics of how we we make that happen so okay so uh duly noted and and, and good advice so uh anyway so what keeps you awake at 3 a.m uh so what gives me uh anxiety is standing out um mm-hmm. especially in a crowd outed field. Uh, IT has had a lot of events. I mentioned earlier that we were later than a lot of our competition in the event world because as everybody listening to this knows, events are incredibly risky, whether you have uh, some sort of natural disaster. I mean, I think about the first ever event we had. It went well, but it was in Philadelphia and it was like the only time Philadelphia ever had some sort of like tornado warning in the town. And so we were kind of oblivious to it because right. we were inside and uh, but we did notice out the windows like, wow, that is the darkest sky I've ever seen in my life. So it's 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 risky. So but so we need to stand out to our sponsors, to our attendees and to our speakers even because they're flooded with so many events. Uh, I know one of our partners, they share with us their um, event schedule for the entire year. And so they're a distributor. And so they get to see what the vendors are doing, what software developer companies are doing, um, what a lot of the associations are doing. So they'll send us back a list and they have on their schedule over the course of one year, upward over a hundred events. So you're wow. talking about a week. And so obviously some of them are niche, but for us to just send a few emails and think we're going to get all sorts of response, you know, it's just not that way. So, you know, to stand out to sponsors, as you mentioned, the titles that we have, mm-hmm. uh, we try to have it really resonate with the sponsors where if they're just going to glance at the first eight words, it's something that really screams to them. Again, retail IT VAR of the future. If you're in retail, right. if you're in IT, if you care about the VARs, you know, that's interesting. And then you see of the future, you go, oh, what is this thing? All about so that's a big thing standing out to uh, sponsors from a speaker standpoint. Some of it is similar from the the headline. Um, we'll try to get their attention that way, but we also do a lot of work on LinkedIn to try to connect with people and introduce them to the event. We try to do a ton of networking where it, sometimes. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. So, what do you do specifically on LinkedIn? As far as uh, are you sending messages through that, or uh, how are you using LinkedIn? No, great question. Um, so spe- I'll give you a specific. So our ISV IQ Live uh, conference is all for, so ISV stands for Independent Software Vendors, so okay. software developer executives. Um, and IQ stands for IQ, so don't think it's a my IT okay. thing. Um, and uh, so we came up, so what we did is we 
get on the phone with our ISV readers and say, what topics do you want us to cover? Well, one of them, they say, is raising capital, and they would like to hear from successful software developers, and they would also like to hear from VCs, so venture capital companies, angels, banks, you know, anybody like that. Well, we are not in that world mm -hmm. at all, you know, and so we had to start making tons of connections. So we reached out to a lot of people we know and said, who do you know? Who do you know? But then we just went to the conferences in Santa Ana. So we went and searched on LinkedIn for uh, VC companies related to software and came across some of those executives. And so Abby Sorensen uh, reached out to them hoping to set up a call with uh, myself, her, and the uh, person and see who responds. So we send a message trying to connect and then just get to see who might be interested. And sometimes people respond, I'm not a fit or I'm not available or they just go dark. And so, you know, that's fine. Um, but then you always have a handful who shake out. You get on the phone and see if they are uh, a good fit. But you always say as a potential speaker or else they think that they're being promised something and you don't want right. to you know, lead somebody down a path. So that's how we've used LinkedIn to to help build, you know, from an event speaker standpoint. Right. And, and let me ask you a question. As far as your speakers, do you let sponsors speak? Uh, so good question. We do let sponsors speak. Uh, at some of the, I guess, to some degree at all the events. But from us, this is standing out to our attendee standpoint. The feedback that we get is if a vendor's up there with a PowerPoint for, I mean, I want to say 20 minutes, but even for five minutes, they're saying, oh, my gosh, like, I don't want this. They do right. that at every single event, and it's not very compelling. So our first step was, you know, what we need to do is educate the vendors more because we don't want to take that stage time away from them. So quite frankly, we spend a lot of time talking and educating the vendors, but then they send a regional person to do the presentation, and it's the same, you know, let's go through the PowerPoint and talk about how great our product is, and here's where our company's located, which is not compelling and really, you know, connecting with our audience. So what we've done is uh, had the vendors up on stage, but we take control of the conversation. So okay. one of the examples that we do is we either have a panel of vendors, and we ask them questions, not tell me how awesome your company is or your product is. We ask thought leadership questions that we know they have vision into that our audience might not, but the audience would care about their answers. So that's mm -hmm. one. Another one is we bring the vendor up on stage with one of their partners, and we spend you know 20 minutes interviewing the both of them and really making a loud connection of, hey, partner, how mm -hmm. did this vendor help you? Hey, vendor, how do you know things work with other uh, partners? How do those relationships work? And so and we've had people you know, saying on Twitter, like, they've cracked the code. This is great. You right. know, There's a vendor on stage, and I'm enjoying it. And I remember I was hesitant the first time we did this because the session, the session actually went over. It was supposed to be 20 minutes. It went to about 27 minutes because the audience was asking questions. But they were asking most of the questions to the partner, but it was related in some ways to how the vendor worked with them. So the vendor in the 20, you know, 27 minutes spoke for maybe five or seven minutes. So I asked her afterwards, like, how'd you feel about that? And she said, it was so great. I was up there next to a partner who everybody saw as super successful and they right. know I helped them get there. And so that person understood being related to a success story was extremely helpful and they saw the benefit of it. So uh, we really had to I guess, challenge our sponsors and tell them, this is what's in the best interest of our audience. Here's the data that we have from past events, and this is why we're going to go with this new format. Believe me, we're doing you a favor by not having a PowerPoint and doing this kind of interview. And we implemented that last year, and 
rave reviews every single conference. Yeah. And, and you, you know, the fact of the matter is uh, people are attending, uh, your attendees didn't pay to go. So there's mm-hmm. a little bit of leeway. I mean, I think they expect a little bit, you know, of uh, the vendor participation and that sort of stuff. Uh, I think on the flip side, when it's uh, like our events, um, on average, we charge about $1,200 to attend. Um, and we've not gone the vendor route, except we have actually a new program we're doing at our niche media conference called Niche Tech. But it's, um, once again, with the partners involved. And, uh, and I, I actually feel really confident with it. I think the key is, and in, in what you really talked about, is if you do have vendors speaking, you, you need to really have uh, guidelines for what they're going to do and really go over everything with them because for the most part everyone including them wants you know they want to look good they want to provide good content and i think i think it's just a matter of really working with them and making sure they're good speakers and all that because i i assume at some point you know you've had someone up there that isn't a good speaker and and you know and uh uh and, and they did a pitch or whatever you know because you do you can lose some control there well, and I can tell you, we uh, had really good sponsorship for, I think it was our last show of 2014, and so we had uh, three vendors up there in a row, and so it was one straight hour, so 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes of one person giving a PowerPoint, and we were in the audience and saying, like, this could be way more compelling, and so we just, again, going back to to that postmortem, everybody agreed like, yeah, we've really got to uh, take control of it. So one of my favorite acronyms is STUFF with the letter R at the end. So it stands for set them up for future reference. So mm-hmm. it's a kind of fancy way for manage expectations. So we're very, very clear, like you said, to the vendors in terms of what we're going to do, what role they're going to play, what the questions are going to be, and why we're doing it. And the great thing is we're a trusted advisor. A lot of that comes from the history of our magazine, that they know us very well. They know that we're acting in the best interest of them and the audience. And we mm-hmm. basically have the line of, if it's not valuable to the audience, we're not going to do it because you will just lose the audience forever. They'll never come back to one of your events if they walk away bored. Right, right. Absolutely. So, um, so you've only been doing events for what, about three years? Yeah, I mean, we started October 2013, so it's really, you know, two, well, I guess it's actually three because we started the right. process of that 2013 event uh, in really early uh, 2013. So, yeah. yeah, in the grand scheme of things, we're a relatively uh, new company when it comes to events. Right. So, uh, obviously, a huge advantage is the fact that you have these magazines already and you already are a trusted authority, um, you know, because of the magazines and your um editors and all that sort of stuff so that obviously is a big advantage but but you've started a bunch of new new conferences like in in a very short amount of time and uh i mean so as far as anxiety um you know i assume like on the first one you're like really i assume very nervous and all that and and uh you know as time goes has it gotten easier or are the expectations higher or, you know, let's, let's – I want to know what, what really bothers Jim Rowdy. Rowdy, I already blew that. <laughs> um, uh, great question. So I can tell you for the 
first event when we had never done one before, you know, you go to it and think, why did we even think anybody's actually going to show up? Like, we're right. actually going to make somebody hop in their car, or hop on a plane, and, and show up at this thing. And are these, uh, I do are remember these we got for to the, the f- most part national events? Uh, they no, they actually the retail IP VAR of the future drew from a uh, it was in Las Vegas and it drew from a wider scope than we'd expected. Uh, so that one has a little bit broader. Uh, appeal to it, but most of the other ones draw from either that state or the adjoining state. So, okay. I guess you can call that regional or local, whatever your your definition is. Okay. So, sorry, um, but but I want to hear the anxiety. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. So the I, I am anxious until the last educational presentation of the day starts, and mm-hmm. that way I know that not only did people show up. But they actually stuck around because I think everybody knows, and especially we're dealing with small business people, an emergency can come up or they're just only planning on staying half a day. And so, um, you know, the the uh, crowd that you have at the kickoff of the event isn't necessarily the crowd that you're going to have at the end of the event. So I got to be honest with you, Carl, that's the only time that I'm not anxious mm-hmm. uh, about it because everyone is a, is a struggle. Starting a new event. Um, because it requires all these questions and, and digging into a bunch of different places um, is a ton of labor. But we've really found out uh, building systems. Uh, Abby has a checklist that I don't know the last count, but it could be 30-something pages or 40-something pages oh, wow. that is like the master event outline. It has everything you do from the start of an event all the way to you know wrapping it up um, all the way through. So um, we've built that thing. And once we figure out the formula for each one of the events, the time ends up being for doing the second or the third event is maybe one-tenth of uh, what the original event took because there's so much exploring that goes on uh, from the first one. So um, th- that still causes us anxiety, but we have that system to refer to, so we know we're not going to necessarily forget anything. We just have to make sure we're still operating um, in the right niche. But we're always trying new things, especially to stand out to attendees. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that we are trying for uh, this ISVIQ conference is, Abby went to your conference and heard a lot about direct mail. And we haven't done a lot of that in the past. We've done a lot of it through emails. And mm-hmm. so Abby came back and said, let's start being creative with direct mail. So of course, we came up with a postcard campaign because that's the most affordable. Another one that we're doing is we have a VIP list, again, since these tend to be regional or local events. So we found from our readership, from some of our partners, from some just looking through the phone book and seeing who were folks in that area. And we came up with a VIP list with the name, company, title, address, phone number, at least an email whenever we could get it. And so what we're offering for this conference is a marketing toolkit is what we call it. Mm-hmm. So we put a value on it of $10,175. So it's a nice, crooked, kind of memorable, unique number. Wow. And so no, I like it's that. Allow- 10,075 value. 10,175. Wow. 10, 10, and so sorry, we said 175. Yes. So we said if we could brand that number to that audience, it's going to stand out and they're going to see the value of attending this event. And if they stay for the whole day, they'll have access to this marketing toolkit, which since we have end user magazines, they're looking for end user leads and end user exposure. We're able to tie all those together. A lot of them are also looking for exposure to our um, reseller audience in business solutions. So we put together a package that offers Mm -hmm. them print, web, email, content, promotion, 
uh, inside all of our products. Then we partnered with one of our distributor sponsors called Blue Star. They're uh, in the Cincinnati area, mm -hmm. and they offer services as well, such as SEO, telemarketing, website design. So we're offering this toolkit to people. And so we think that it's a good idea, but who knows if people are actually going to open up the envelope that we send over to right. them, right? I mean, that's, that's a struggle that people have. So what we put together was the envelope is like a really fluorescent green or fluorescent yellow, like super, mm -hmm. super bright. And we tested to see if people would notice that we have one guy in our organization who hardly ever checks his mail slot. And so you can just see the stack of stuff sitting in there. So we put one of those in there like it was delivered in the mail. And he did pick it up because he said he walked by and he saw, whoa, what is that thing? <laughs> so he grabbed it and opens it up. This is just a have, guy that works at your place? Yes, that's, okay. that was one of our tests in order okay. to do it, to see if <laughs> okay. it would actually work. So okay. he opens it up. and what's so his what name? We're, uh, What's his name? His name is Ed Hess. I've worked with him Ed. for uh, almost okay. 20 years now. Okay. He's a great so guy. So Ed is the guinea pig. Yeah, Ed, Ed was one of our guinea pigs, yes. We're big okay. into test and measure rather than it's a great idea. Go run with it. Like right. test it because uh, – to see if it works. So what we did, we did this for Ed as an example, and we did this for 200-something of these VIP is we made up a giant dollar bill in the denomination of $10,175, and it has the name ISV IQ Live on it, Santa Ana, February 24th. Then we have in the middle where the regular picture should be, we had our production manager's daughter come in and go on LinkedIn and find the pictures of these people on LinkedIn, or sometimes she can get it <laughs> off the company website, right. and drop it in. And then at the bottom, it says their name. So we're figuring we get this bright envelope, and people are going to say, what's this? When they open it up, the first thing they're going to see is this dollar bill with their picture on it. Oh, that's and awesome. I'm thinking once they see that, they're not going to you know, rip it in half and throw it away and or recycle it. I think they're going to say, I have to see what this thing is all about. And uh, since our three main topics are uh, raising capital, partnering, and marketing, we thought we should probably do something from a standout marketing standpoint to get people's attention. So those actually entered the mail stream today. Maybe we'll have to do a follow-up podcast to let you know uh, how it went. But we think it's something that's certainly going to stand out and give us the best chance to uh, get maximum attendance at the event. And I guess to, to kind of put the loop on that, we're not just crossing our fingers and seeing if those people register. We have a series of phone calls that we're going to start making next week to mm -hmm. follow up on that mailer. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, how many how many of these mailings did you do? So we hit this VIP list. Probably we'll end up hitting them about a half a dozen times. But this dollar bill is just one um, no, no, of the no, main No, but how, how, many, uh, how many people are on the list that you did this personalized LinkedIn picture and all that? Uh, there's, there's over 200 of them. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so, so mm -hmm. I, I love that because, I mean, if anyone's followed uh, the marketing that we do at Niche Media and I've done my whole career starting with the buy an ad, get a cat campaign I did yes. uh, like 30 years ago, um, it, you know, doing weird, crazy stuff really works. And uh, what I've heard, uh, you know, because I used to do seminars on ad sales and, and I share all these ideas that I had done over the years. And, and I always get some guys, some B2B guys like, you know what, we have this really boring audience of engineers or whatever, and they're never going to go for it and blah, blah, blah. And I think I think it really stands out, you know, because probably within your field, there's not, a you know, a ton of like funding games promotions and in any way you can set yourself apart from your competitors you know that you have a unique event it's 
I think it's going to work. Anyway, I'm excited about it. And it, if you if you wouldn't mind sending me a picture of that, I, I'll put it in when we uh, when we uh, put the podcast up. Sure. No, I'd, I'd be happy to do that. And one more thing is, so we try to emphasize that these events are going to be unique and they're going to be educational and fun. And you can use the word infotaining, so informational and, and entertaining. Mm-hmm. And so right. you want to deliver that at the event. And so a couple ways that we do that, and one is I got to give Abby 100% credit for this, is Carl, are you familiar with a minute to win it games at all? No. Minute to win it. So they're these, you know, small games that you can play. They're pretty easy to set up and they go by pretty quickly. So okay. one thing that we do, you know how events go and like, here's another presentation and another presentation and you right. want to have a little bit of a break there. So what we do is we draw business cards from the attendees. We call the two people up on stage and then get two sponsors up on stage as well. Mm-hmm. Each of the sponsors are holding a box of tissues. And one thing I recommend is to have only about 75 tissues in there, okay. not 150. Okay. And what we do is we say, ready, set, go and then they compete and each of the attendees has to pull uh, the tissues out one at a time (laughs) as fast as they can whoever finishes first gets a you know uh, we give away two books and one gets a $50 bookmark and Mm so it's one of those things where it's just fascinating to watch and people take it super seriously and they don't know how to do it and then they're trying to figure out how fast and somebody gets you know the uh, Kleenex on their head and you know it's just a total mess up there yeah. but everybody applauds and smiles and just says well that was really that was really different so that's just one way that again it takes only five minutes yeah. all you got to do is find a couple boxes of tissues and, yeah. and it's a fun thing so I wouldn't make your entire conference around that but right. just to add a couple of those different change of pace I guess is what we call it you need to change pace every once in a while or else people kind of get bored and stiff or things yeah. seem the same old same old yeah i, I agree and uh, uh i did a podcast with uh drew davis and he was talking about like between sessions especially the format you're in one room you know it could get pretty stuffy in there for a day yeah and that uh you know particularly having a good mc you know that's keeping things lively or uh drew was giving example of this woman i think it was in europe somewhere where she had them doing these weird, the attendees doing weird like uh, calisthenics and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, sort of between speakers and all that. And he said it totally worked, you know. So um, I don't care what your audience is, you know, they're, they're going to relate to that and and just being different and 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 you know because like it or not, in if you are putting on events, you're in the entertainment business. And, um, and, and, you know, you have to really take that serious. So I think any of that sort of fun stuff, what'd you say it's, um, minute to win it. Yeah. So minute to win it games. And what we put on our agenda is actually, so people get to see it up front. It Mm -hmm. says stretch and laugh is what we do. So people see it on the agenda and they think, right. what is that right. all about? Like, I'm interested to see what, uh, what's happening. And it's always been a hit. We started to do that at every event and we love it. It's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. It's, I don't want to say it's my favorite part of the event cause that kind of puts down, <laughs> but it's always interesting to see how people are going to uh, react to it. And it's always been very, very positive. Uh, and going back to that post-mortem, mm-hmm. somebody said, you know what we need to do is put the Benny Hill music behind that. The <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is so unbelievable. Once, hey, let's start, and that music cranks up really loud. It's, it's just fun. Like I said, we're talking about an IT conference, right. and people are walking away saying, I had a blast. Like that was our last conference of the year, and people saying, I learned a ton, and I had a blast. And we were like, geez, how many 
tech conferences right. can you leave and somebody say, I had a blast. So yeah. that's one of our overarching goals as well, to stand yeah. out. Again, that's that. Again, that gives me the anxiety, and those are some of the actions we've taken to overcome the anxiety. Yeah, no, I mean these these sound like really great events. And are you planning on doing more, even more events? Uh, we do. We're the ISV IQ is a brand new event, and so our plan right now, just from uh, with a small staff that we have, is you could add one event a year, or you can really try to expand one of your events trying to start two new events in one year is biting off more than we can chew so retail it var the future was new last year the full schedule of channel transitions was new in mm-hmm. 2014 and the and the smart var conferences were new in 2014 as well so we'll see what's on the horizon the response to isviq has been phenomenal so we're uh, eager to see how we actually execute on that and how would we expand that and grow that in 2017 as well? So we're always looking to, you know, we always say the, we didn't come up with these ideas in a conference room or a lab room. It's right. just you got to ask questions to your readers and follow your readers and follow your advertisers, and, and you're going to be in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Hey, uh, within your space, uh, are there hosted buyer events as well? Uh, what do you mean by uh, hosted buyer events? Uh, oh, well, hosted buyers are purely um, events where uh, it's like a, a dating service where you have buyers and sellers that uh, come to the event. And, and it's where you uh, often you actually pay the expenses of the person attending the buyer. Um, and but they have to agree to like have eight meetings or ten meetings with with the uh, with the vendors. Um, no, we don't have any formats exactly like that. But there are a lot, lot of user conferences mm-hmm. where these resellers or software developers or managed services providers are users of a certain software or they are partners with a certain distributor or vendor. Right. And so the vendors oftentimes will fly in. So one of the distributors, so Blue Star, who we're doing uh, this ISVIQ with, are one of the sponsors. They have done uh, trade shows on cruise ships, mm-hmm. um, a couple of them in the last five years. And so they bring in some of their biggest partners, put them on a cruise ship, send them over to the Bahamas, and then and come right on back. So yeah. those are those are quite a feat to pull off. So those are some of the other you know kinds of events that are in our market. Yeah, but uh, a- anyway, it's I- I'm really impressed by what you've done. Uh, you know, because I I know the whole IT world is really really competitive. Uh, and like you said, there's a ton of events and the fact that you've been able to crack in in two and a half years, three years with um, six or it sounds like you're going to be at about eight events uh, next year. Uh, you really need to be congratulated. And uh, uh, anyway, I, I, I'm well, very I'll, impressed. I'll, I'll, yeah. Well, thank you. I just want to say I will have to defer the congratulations to our team. I mean, of, of key to our organization and our ability to thrive and survive in the IT publishing and I guess now the media and events world is our ability to attract and retain really strong people. I mean, the tenure of our team, many of them in double digits and they're hardworking, high character, people that you actually like to travel 
comfortable with. You know how that happens yeah, sometimes. Sure. Like, gosh, I'm going to be you know yeah. stuck in a car with somebody. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. our group were actually eager to to spend time with each other, and that ends up attracting uh, more high caliber people. And so just by getting those high caliber people together who endeavor to build really good systems and really help out our readers and our advertisers, just really swells into something great. So I will pass along your congratulations uh, to our team. So well, I very much appreciate that. Sure, and and, and thank Abby for connecting us. Uh, she she just seems awesome. So um, anyway, Jim, I really appreciate you spending some time with us and, uh, and, uh, you know, good luck in 2016. Thank you. You too, Carl. Thanks for having me. Okay. Hold on. Appreciate it. Well, that was a fun interview. I definitely picked up uh, three or four really good ideas from Jim. Uh, you know, I'm just a little disappointed that Jim wasn't related to Rowdy, Rowdy uh, Piper, um, you know, the deceased uh, wrestler. But um, but he's a really great guy. Um, you know, and he mentioned talking about postmortem. And I understand that idea uh, isn't like a new one, uh, you know, after you've had your event. But um, most of us don't do a very good job, I think, including uh, myself, and making everyone on your staff responsible for notes about the previous event is a really good idea, and particularly talking about you know ways you weren't that good and in, in interviewing um, attendees and sponsors and getting their true feedback, I, I, I think is really uh, understated. Uh, they use LinkedIn very effectively in zeroing in on speakers with specific expertise that they were looking for. And I want to see Abby's 40-page checklist. Uh, it sounds amazing of uh, putting on their events. I, I really love the marketing toolkit for attendees worth $10,175. Uh, I'm going to uh, post the promo of the VIPs with their pictures on the dollar bills on my podcast page. It's really awesome. And I'm totally stealing the one, one minute to win a game. Uh, and I'm going to use the Benny Hill music. So thank you so much, uh, Jim Roddy, for being an awesome guest. Uh, and also for Abby Sorensen for putting us together. Um, she's, she's a really great event organizer and a great person. And I'm looking forward to seeing everyone at the Niche Media Conference in Austin, Texas, April 4th through 6th. We're having a really good, uh, specifically, event panel uh, of three great event organizers at that event, along with um, about uh, 16 other sessions. It's our 10th annual conference. I'm really excited to see the entire Niche Nation there in Austin. Anyway, take care and goodbye. Events, What Wakes You Up at 3 a.m. is a production of Niche Media. It's hosted by Niche Grand Poobah, Carl Landau, and produced by Robin Ireland. Questions for the Poobah? Email carl at nichemediahq.com. Check out nicheeventfest.com as well as blog.nicheeventnation.com for more information about putting on your niche events. Mm-hmm.